Kia ora and welcome to a redo of today's podcast. My apologies, only a minute of my original podcast for today went up and so I'm going to have to do it again. This is the first time I've had to do this, um, but hopefully it's better the second time around. So I'm Bernard Hickey. I do a podcast uh, with my email newsletter, The Kaka, and like to look at New Zealand's political economy through the lens of housing affordability, climate change and child poverty reduction. And the last couple of days we've had some interesting news on what's happening with wages and prices and the health of our financial system. And I thought it was worth diving into these data sets and big reports to challenge some of the narratives you might hear around the joint. In particular, the headlines that we see around the housing market, what's happening with people in theory not being able to pay their mortgages, the risks of mortgagee sales, the indebtedness of the household sector, and also this idea that wages are falling um, in real terms, that with inflation so high and wage inflation per hour not quite as high, that uh, people are, are really falling behind, and that um, there's a large chunk of New Zealanders, the squeezed middle, as they're called, who are homeowners paying mortgages, suddenly facing having to pay 6% mortgages instead of 3% mortgages. Well, let's have a closer look at that. Because um, we're hearing from some opposition politicians that we're on the edge of mortgage mayhem. Well, firstly, let's look at what the Reserve Bank said in its financial stability report this week. That is the half-yearly set piece the Reserve Bank does in which it assesses the health of the financial system. How many bad debts are out there? Do the banks have enough capital? Are the people who have borrowed money from the banks able to repay them? Uh, is there a, a risk that particular types of assets in particular, for example the housing market or the dairy farm debt or commercial property debt, is there a problem looming on the horizon that's going to shake the financial system? Because remember the Reserve Bank's responsible not just for monetary policy and keeping inflation around 2%, but also to keep the financial system stable, making sure the banks don't collapse. So that's a tough couple of jobs, and you could argue they're not achieving the first one, so they better achieve the second one. And uh, the risk is, of course, that if you put up interest rates very aggressively and people have too much debt, and suddenly they're having to pay a lot of money in interest costs, the theory is you're going to have people fall over, and that was the warning yesterday from Nicola Willis, the opposition finance spokesperson, that there'd be some New Zealanders who might lose their homes because of this mortgage mayhem. But is that actually true? And later on I'll also talk about whether we are falling, falling behind with the wages that we receive relative to what we're paying out for goods and services. Firstly, the mortgages. You'd think by listening to the headlines, that New Zealand households are incredibly indebted, that our extremely high house prices are unsustainable when interest rates rise, and that a whole bunch of people are going to lose their houses. But what do the numbers actually show? 
Yesterday from the Reserve Bank, we got an update on the uh, number of loans that are uh, non-performing, is the phrase they use, i.e. you haven't paid the interest on time. And what you can see, and I've included a chart in today's email, is that the share of loans that is non-performing in bank mortgages is now down to 0.2%. That is a sixth of what it was in 2008-9 when we last had a downturn and interest rates were very high. One-sixth of the problem, 0.2%. So extremely low. And when you look at the number of mortgagee sales going on at the moment, in the three months to the end of January this year, there were, across the entire country, six, single-digit six mortgagee sales. So we're talking two per month. That compares with hundreds in 2008-2009, uh, and back then house prices had fallen 10%. So, actually, the people who have mortgages, yes, they are paying more if they've just rolled over, and there is still a big chunk of the mortgage book which needs to roll over onto those higher interest rates, but they are very healthy. Now, you could argue, what about those people who bought in the heat of the highest prices last year when there were no LVR controls and uh, surely they're in trouble, surely they're underwater, they don't have any equity left and being perhaps first home buyers um, they were stretching to get the loan to start with and now suddenly they're paying 6% instead of 2%, surely they're going to go bust. Well let's have a closer look at that. The Reserve Bank did some numbers showing that just 2% of the mortgage book would be underwater given the current price falls. And remember, you don't get kicked out of your house in New Zealand if you are so-called underwater. Remember, this is just a paper valuation of what um, you think and the bank thinks your house is worth. And of course, your equity is the first one to go before there's a problem for the bank. And remember, the bank is, doesn't, is under no obligation to kick you out if you're underwater. Now there are some business loans where that is the case, where there are effectively covenants around uh, evaluations. But for homeowners, that's not the case. The only thing that the bank really cares about is will they receive the interest on the loan this month? And if they can't, for whatever reason, there's a sickness or someone's unemployed or something, the bank is not going to kick you out in large part because they trusted you with the loan to start with and they themselves are not under any pressure. You've got to remember that since 2008-2009, the banks have doubled their capital buffers under instruction from the Reserve Bank, who has also changed the rules to make the banks funding the ability for the banks to get money in a hurry much safer, more long-term and more domestic. And at the same time, the Reserve Bank, particularly from 2019 onwards, has been ratcheting up the level of capital the banks hold. Now, the banks weren't thrilled about it at the time. And actually, the Reserve Bank eased some of those requirements during the worst of COVID. But now we're back on track and the banks have enormous amounts of capital. And of course, there's an enormous amount of equity as well out there that households have. 
We have a housing market that's worth around about $1.4 trillion at the moment, but we only have $350 billion worth of mortgages. So that's an incredibly low LVR ratio for the household sector. And when you look at the total cost of servicing mortgages across those people who own mortgages, it's still less than 6% of disposable income overall. And that's down from a peak of 14% in 2009. So in, in aggregate, the mortgage stress in our economy is higher than it was, but it's still incredibly low. Also, for those people who did buy in 2021, your, your archetypal double income, no kids, first home buyer who has two good incomes and was able to borrow, uh, simply because there were no LVRs didn't mean that they were able to get a 100% loan and borrow as much as they possibly could with the assumption that interest rates would stay at 2% forever. No bank did that. In fact, the banks are more likely to have said you must have 20 or 30% of equity and we're going to test you first that you can handle a mortgage rate of 6 or 7% before we give you any money. And so what we have now is a few people who bought in 2021 may on paper be underwater but are very easily able to service the debt that they have and are in no position to be kicked out by a bank. And you've got to remember when those serviceability tests were done last year, that was back when incomes were at last year's levels. Now it gets interesting because in the last couple of days we've had a chance to look at the latest wages and jobs figures and we have an incredibly strong labour market where unemployment is at 3.3% and we're even seeing jobs growth, despite all the talk about economic downturns and the fact that in theory there is no one left in Aotearoa to actually do it, any, any jobs. Astonishingly, the participation rate and the overall employment rate actually rose to a fresh record high this, in the September quarter. Despite all the comments about lots of people, in theory, sitting at home not working when they could easily get jobs. Actually, we are more working now than we've ever been. And more, a bigger share of our population are working than almost any other country in the world. So this idea that there's a whole bunch of lazy people not working is just plain wrong. That doesn't address the issue though of wage inflation keeping up with price inflation. And on the face of it, this looks to be a problem. You have consumer price index inflation in the September quarter of 7.2%. And on the face of it, hourly wages are up only about 3.5%. So in theory, only half of the 7% growth in prices. But let's have a closer look at that. That 3.5% number is uh, something called the Labour Cost Index, which is a apples for apples measure of regular hourly wages and takes into account things like people getting promotions and bonuses and perhaps um, uh, working longer hours or working overtime. This really measures what does a certain amount of work of an exact type that isn't changing, what is that being paid and how has that changed over the last year?
But of course, people don't actually get paid in that way. People work longer hours. They might do overtime. They might get a promotion. Uh, they might uh, choose to work less hours for the same pay, therefore get a higher hourly wage. So sometimes it's worth actually looking at what actual pay is put into people's accounts every week. And luckily for us, StatsNZ collect those numbers. So you can see what gross weekly earnings are every week and what they were in the September quarter on average. And those numbers are much healthier. They rose 10.4% in the September quarter from a year ago. So what that means is that people are getting in their hands 10.4% more money every week compared with a year ago. Remember, that's more than inflation at 7.2%. Now, you could argue they're having to work longer hours for that, and people may be doing full-time work rather than part-time work. They may have just received a one-off bonus, which they can't rely on for the long run, but they certainly have the cash in their hands. And when you look at what's going into people's uh, savings accounts and check accounts, there is clearly a much less stress in our squeezed middle than what you might hear from some politicians. And for those who worry about some sort of imminent collapse of the housing market or the banking system, that is just plain wrong, and I direct you to um, the more detail I have in the email newsletter. Sorry for the false start, people. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my daily podcast on the Kaka, which is my email newsletter for subscribers. Kaki Tano.